Welcome to the Zero Traction Podcast with Cameron Miller and James Allison. Yeah. That'll be our fir- first Insta post. The, well, the first one is we've got a new profile picture, which is our terrible logo, which I can show you now, by the way. Oh, I'm ready for this. I'm excited. Don't be. It's abysmal. It's abysmal. <laughs> it's not abysmal. It's just nothing going on. <laughs> which is just what you want. That is just what you want. It's not um, terrible. The sound thing's maxing out quite a lot, I think. That's, that's not terrible. It's not, it's a, it's it does look a little bit like a hipster bar. Is it maxing out because I'm... Is it, is it too close to Maybe a little bit close. You this, is, this is probably how, how loudly I'm going to speak, so... If you take it down a tiny bit. Just, yeah, that'll do. That'll is that do better? The job. That's, that's how loud I'm going to speak, so... Yep, cool. spot on. That awesome. is spot on. I already started recording, by the way, so... Oh, excellent. So that's all in the... That's all, that's the... all in episode two. That's all that's the beginning. That's how it well, starts. That can fade off. in. That can that can fade in. Like can, oh, a little bit of fading in. Are you, have you already faded in at this point? Should we should we get on topic? You don't have to get on topic straight off the bat. I guess so. Hey, welcome everyone. What are they? Are they cakes? Oh, or for good. <laughs> no context. Um, welcome, okay. everyone. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode, episode two. two. We've listened to the first episode. And we love it. So we whatever you think, we don't really we care. Don't really care. We love it. We'll listen to ourselves yeah. each week. Yeah. And that'll be all. That's our. That's we where have an audience of anyway. two and it's you and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. And I'll force it on my girlfriend. Yep. And then, so it's an episode of three. One of them is under duress. Yes. So that's, that's how this works. Yeah. And I think that's, that's going to work really nicely. None of you have listened to it yet because we haven't gotten around to managing to get it on Spotify. No, so, but um, I reckon we'll get a couple of episodes down and then we'll get it out. Yeah, that was the plan this weekend. Yeah, exactly. But it's currently Sunday afternoon <laughs> and uh, nothing has happened. Although we are recording episode two, so that is something. Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 that's right. pretty good going, I think. Not too bad at all. Yes. Yeah, so a couple of notes from the last episode. Go on. A couple of notes. Um, I heard a tiny bit of clicking, um, but maybe not. I think audience, if you notice it, let us know if there's any yep. really obvious audio things we'll try to sort out. Um, and we said the word deep dive a lot. Did you notice that? We did that? say deep dive an awful lot. We said deep dive a lot. And if we don't ever deep dive, that first episode will be awful. Yeah. So we need to deep dive at least once. Disingenuous use of the word. so much deep diving. I know. We will, except we just, we'll just say it way less often. We've already hit the max for this episode, I think. I think we have deep dive. Just one more. Just one more deep dive. Deep okay, dive. Good. There we go. Excellent. All right, well, we can kick things off. I think we had a few different things we wanted to talk about, starting off maybe a little bit with some context for how we know each other. Yeah, how do we know each other? Because we're not just two strangers having met and thought, oh, let's do a podcast. We have known each other for an awfully long time. Year seven, I think it is. What year was that? Year seven. That's that's 2003, isn't it? are Are you 12 or 13 when that happens? 12. 12. Okay, we were 12 when we first met each other then. Yeah. That's a pretty long time. I'm 29 now. Yeah, you were 29, 29 yesterday. I was 29 yesterday. Thank you, everybody. I know. Happy I know. birthday, I can hear all your happy birthday wishes. Thank you very much. I had an awful day. Did you? Um, during lockdown, yeah. Well, I couldn't do anything, could you? No, that's true. No, I had a great day. My, uh, my partner decorated the flat. Um, despite everything that's going on at the moment, my yeah. day was very nice. So, Your partner uh, decorated. Yes. How did she decorate the flat? You sent me a picture. I think it's awesome. Yes, it's a US office-themed... Um, conference room party that Dwight and Jim put on for Kelly having forgotten the only they were the only two um to have forgotten Kelly's birthday yeah and they uh they decorated the conference room with uh, some brown 
and silver. And, and they're all like hanging off. Balloons, they're all like, they're not, not inflated with helium. Inflated. So they There's just hang off that the... says, it is your birthday period. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. she did all that. She got, I got the balloons. I got um, half inflated balloons on the floor. Yeah. There's a banner on the wall that says, it is your birthday <laughs> period. So I woke up to that. It was fantastic. <laughs> I very much enjoyed my day. Yeah, that is um, great. That is really, really good. So yeah, well, we're 29 now. We were 12 when we met. Yeah. And cars have been the one constant throughout our lives. They've yeah. been the thing that have, that's kept bringing us back to each other. Bringing us back to yeah, each other. Yeah, because we've gone through, you know, secondary school, we were in pretty much every single class together in the first year. Yeah. But as you move through school, you get, you know, split up and you, you do different lessons. You pick different subjects. Yeah. Um, you go off to university four hours up north and... Uh, Loughborough, baby. Yeah. Great times. I was definitely there. Yeah, <laughs> I did drive the mini up. To yeah, you, you came October. down a couple of times. So that's a story for, for another time. Yeah. But yeah, cars have always, you know, we've always been on the phone. If something new happens with a car in our lives, well, I think we're always the first to yeah. let each other know what's going on. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think cars have always been there for us. Like what, like a support? Support network of cars for us. That's what it's been. Yeah, and even before we could drive, you know, cars have always been... Like gaming, Gran yeah, Turismo. Gaming, Gran oh, Turismo, Gran Turismo Need 4. For Speed, Need for Speed Underground, Need yeah. for Speed Underground 2. Oh, great All games. of those amazing PlayStation games. We would just spend hours of our lives around each other's houses yeah. um, playing, these, playing these games. Playing like, leaving Gran Turismo 4 running in the background for days so that you could complete a 24-hour race. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, that kind of stuff. I oh. don't know if anybody out there listening to this has, has ever had this happen but on, it's quite specific and bear with me <laughs> Gran Turismo 4 there was a 24 hour endurance race yeah. on the Circuit de la Sarthe Le Mans track and there's a B-spec mode Yeah. so you allow the computer to race for you and once you've done I think it was the 24 hour Nürburgring challenge once you do that you get rewarded a Formula 1 type car yeah so i would do the polyphony digital that's the one yeah yeah the f1 type thing i think it's based on the just as a real side note i think it's based on the japanese equivalent the super formula japanese right. that's yeah. what i think it's, it's based on okay carry on so you get rewarded that car and you could either sell it for a few million credits or use it in a number of events including, including a polyphony digital cup but that was yes. the only thing that was car specific yeah that was the only thing it was useful for um I thought it would be useful to do the 24-hour um, Le Mans race. Um, but I'd started the race. It was all going well. I needed to go to school. So I put B-spec mode on. And my little guy was racing around the track. Everything was going well. I get home a few hours later. What, seven or eight hours later? Yeah. I return to find myself last. <laughs> and my little man was just... In 90 degrees into the barrier. Yeah. But he wasn't, he hadn't crashed. No. He was just driving into, the, into barrier. the barrier. So the wheels were spinning. Yeah. And he was just in, going into the barrier. And I, was, and I was a few laps down at this point. Yeah. And, I, and the, the PlayStation 2 had just been on all day. And he'd just been crashing into this barrier. So I remember I you last. saying, because you, you watched a few laps and he would go round. He'd, he'd go round. He'd correct himself. Yeah, yeah. 
and then he'd go around a full lap and he'd you know maybe overtake someone yeah and then he'd get down halfway down the straight it was like he thought the chicane was there yeah when it wasn't and he'd drive into the wall where the chicane usually is yes oh yeah excellent. so you'd see him after a while i was i was obviously quite confused so i sort of just sat there watching him like are you gonna sort yourself out or do <laughs> i have to take control and you can't just take control gran turismo thought it was being clever you can't just jump in you have to wait for the guy to get into the pit lane yeah and then when, once he's in the pits you can decide you can swap which out. spec you want to use so i sort of watched him and he eventually reversed onto the racing line and if he didn't at that point cause a massive accident he would drive around the track yeah. completely fine for a few laps and then do the exact same thing again. <laughs> I wonder if that's a, a, a glitch. Uh, let us know. If you play Gran Turismo 4 in the mid-2000s and you let B-Spec, Spec B-Mode on the 24-hour Lasarth race, did your guy drive into the wall on the non-chicane version yeah. of the straight yeah. where the chicane should be? Yeah. Is that an were, experience others have had? There were two um, events. There was the one with the chicanes and the one, and without. one without chicanes. Yeah. And I don't think he did it on the one with chicanes, but he may, he may well have done. I say he like it was a thing, um, <laughs> like he was a person, but he definitely wasn't. Mid-2000s AI, AI in Gran Turismo. That's right. Oh, great. But yeah, things like that would, I, you know, I'd, I'd just phone you up immediately and be like, you won't believe what I'm looking at. Yeah. You have to come around and see this. Yeah. And obviously you only live five minutes away from me, so... It was quite easy for you to just pop over. Yeah. Have a little laugh at me having waited eight hours. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then go home. Absolutely. Oh, I miss those days, no way. Yeah, they were good days. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that was, that was us. That's pretty much the context for us being friends, basically. Yeah. Playing games. It's been a long time. Growing up in Reading. Yeah. Playing Gran Turismo. <laughs> yes. That's the, the whole thing, really. And then, and then in, in going back and forth driving each other's silly cars yeah um all the way through to uh, like to now pretty much yeah that's pretty much been it um so yeah well next topic then i think this might end up being something that we could take up a fair amount of time on um is that i'm going to talk a bit about what happened yesterday actually oh, okay yesterday well i mean each week i have something that got, anyone who knows me knows that every time i purchase a car some something goes wrong with it. It has to go wrong continuously throughout my ownership of that car. Yeah. Specifically, the MR2, the S3, and the Megane. All three of those have had countless things go wrong with them during my ownership of each of them. So um, I thought I would talk a bit about something that's gone wrong with the Megane this week, uh, because it's in very recent memory. In that I got it all sorted yesterday. So the good news is the car is sorted. Like, for the first time in a while, it's actually okay. Oh, I did not expect to hear that. I know. About, that, about this car. That's really nice for me to That's find good. out. But in order to get it there, yesterday I had to lay down £857. Ouch. <laughs> in order to get it to that state. And that is after having already spent several hundred pounds on this process of trying to oh, fix it before that. It's cost me so much money, James. I, I am wiped out oh, because of this thing. But um, So yeah, basically what happened was a little while back, a couple of months ago, I ended up with a check engine come on, having let it sit. Because I, I it's the lockdown, I can't drive anywhere. No. It had been sat, and I guess it got a bit cold or a bit wet just coming up to Christmas. Check engine light comes on, and it comes up and it says, battery check, 
flashing up on me. It's intermittent, so it just keeps coming back and forth. Okay. And as I'm driving it, I'm thinking, I just, gotta, just need to charge it up, basically. Um, it beeps at me continuously. It's like the error is there and then it's not there. It's there and then it's not there. Just go back and forth. And it's got the most irritating and whiny beep. It's just like ding. Is it as, ding. Is it as annoying as the gear change beep? Is it different it's, or is it the it's same? The same. <laughs> it is. It's a, it is identical. I think they just have the same sound for both. Um, which, which, by the way, is something you can't turn off on them again. Yeah. You, can, you can set it higher up the rev range. Yeah. So I've got it set to be 500 RPM before the red line. But so you basically don't really that often get up there. No. But you um, rev so quickly, that thing, that you just do. You, you yeah. end up hitting the rev limiter. And it goes bing. That's how quickly. By the time you've acknowledged the beep telling you to change gear, you're, you're, you're bouncing off the rev limiter. Yeah, exactly. It's so quick. So it makes that noise, but because it was like, normally when an error comes up like that, it does it once when you turn the engine on and then it's like, cool, I've let you know, the warning light's there, you do your thing, but it's like the car kept forgetting or it kept coming up and then going away because oh it Lord. did it for the whole journey. You'd drive and it would just constantly bing every five seconds. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. It was just angering. I can imagine. In a car that already gives you a headache because it's so loud. Yeah and it's crashing around because it's so stiff, and then it's beeping at you at the same time. I, have, I, I fell out of love with that car immediately oh, after getting so that, that beep. So trying to work out what's going on with it, I got um, multimeter out, I was checking to see whether or not it was holding a reasonable voltage on the battery just when it was off, and it was, it was solid, it was fine. Was it charging? Yes, it was charging fine. So as far as I could see from my basic sticking a multimeter on it, the alternator and the battery were probably okay. That's probably a bit simplistic. I didn't actually get them and go down to the alternator itself, um, which I later discovered was actually not charging properly. And that was the issue. So the, um, I sent it to a garage, a local garage. Usually I try to send it to K-Tech Racing who are in Dorset, which is just a nightmare to get to. It's an hour and a half drive for me. Experts though. They are, they know exactly what they're doing with the um, RS Megans and Clios, anything RS. Renault, you send it to K-Tech, they know exactly what they're doing. But it's such a trek mm. that I just thought, this has got to be a tiny issue like alternator or the battery or just like a wire that something's gone wrong. So I thought, I'll look up like automotive electricians, find someone who's well-rated locally. Did that, sent it off. After a bit of investigation, the guy comes back and says, yeah, we think it's your, your alternator. But there's no Renault-owned alternators available anywhere. You can't get a Renault alternator. So I go, fine, okay, I'll have to source one myself. So I end up scouring the internet, find this random alternator company in Portsmouth called The Alternator Company. Oh, well. I know, well named. Yeah. They are absolute legends. Oh, awesome. Just such I legends. I was going to go the other way then. No, <laughs> complete legends. Oh, excellent. I called them up and some like guy answered within a few rings and I explained my predicament and me wanting to get hold of this alternator and the guy talked me through the whole process, exactly what it was about the alternator that was specific to my car. Because it turns out that the um, Renault are a bit ridiculous, that within the same car, so let's say it's like, I don't know, a capture or something, there's a multitude of different alternators you could theoretically have on your car, depending on whether you've got the 1.5 diesel or you've got like a 1.2 petrol or whatever engine you've got and whatever combination of aircon and uh, well, they don't sat nav. Like it easy for you, do they? No, so, and they all have, they're all like a very similar part number 
with a subtle difference in it. Oh, and then the, like this, whether they are clutch pulley or oh. um, whatever the other one is, I've forgotten. I, people, someone out there will know this. There were two different types of alternator that it could theoretically have been depending on the specs of my car. And this guy, the, ex, the expert in alternators was like, yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> but he helped me. He said, call up the garage and ask them what type of alternator it is based on like the way that it's connected up. And they said, yeah, it's a clutch pulley. Guy came back to me, great, don't have those in stock. <laughs> Bloody hell. So he goes off and sources one for me, goes and finds one for me, the exact type of one, ordered as it ne next day delivery to the garage. Amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. Guy fits it to the car and he's like, yeah, that's your sort it. Wait a day, get another call back. Yeah, it's not fixed it. <laughs> Why? He said, basically, there's an extra control box called the UPC box, which does a, a few various different things. I've forgotten exactly what it does. Someone out there, I'm sure you guys are, so there's someone listening to this potentially who's frustrated with my lack of knowledge on what this actually does. <laughs> but it's, it's a basically an extra control box for some of the other systems on the car. And the alternator had apparently, according to this garage, been spiking the voltage up beyond what this box was, was able to receive because okay. it was apparently not regulated properly. And it had fried the box. So oh. the UPC box was gone. And that was what was causing the error. And he was like, this is a Renault only thing. I don't have the ability to make changes to this box. You have to go to Renault directly to get this fixed. So I'd gone in, got a brand new alternator. <laughs> only for, and he was like, yeah, but basically what's gonna happen is if we put the, if we replace the, even if we replace the UPC box first, the um, alternator would have spiked and broken the new one as well. Yes. So you did so it the right way around. Apparently I did it the right way around. Apparently, I say. Uh-oh. Because I then took the car to K-Tech in order to have it serviced. Um, and I thought, while I'm getting it serviced, I'll see if they can have a look at it and see if they can sort it out. Sorry for squelching. We're in squelchy territory again. <laughs> um, so I sent it over to, drove it down to K-Tech, made the journey on a Saturday morning in order to drop it off at 8.30 in the morning. Lara was not happy. No, I can imagine she was not happy she had to drive down behind me oh no um because i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to drive my car home yeah. again you know it's yeah. one of those circumstances where i thought i could go and just wait but realistically she's going to have to drive me home yeah. isn't she so we drive down there dropped it off um the guy says basically yes upc box is fried i could fix it for you um but i don't see why the guy changed the alternator it doesn't seem like it was an alternator issue we think it's something else somewhere else Great. So I needlessly replaced my alternator. <laughs> and he said, whilst they were doing the, um, the service as well, they saw that my lower arms were incredibly, uh, there was loads of play in my suspension arm. And he said it's the, it was an, an anti-roll bar joint and then a lower arm joint as well. Various different parts of it were loose and just wobbling around the place. I said, we need to basically replace all of those. Oh my God. And then the UPC box as well. So I booked myself in to come back again, which was yesterday, <laughs> to go by to get all of those things replaced. And then they wanted to go and find out what was going on with this UPC box. So they, they bought, they found a, um, they had a second one, second hand one, which they then just shoved in there to try and sort it out. Didn't fix it. So the guy said the error just came back immediately. <laughs> um, but it went away long enough for the car to be MOT'd. <laughs> So, so he, uh, he, Excellent. He, he replaced the UPC box, uh, error went away, they MOT'd it, 
And then when they were doing some final checks just to make sure everything was okay, the error came back again. Doesn't matter, mate. MOT's done. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, and he said, basically, we think it's somewhere on the wiring loom. There's something like, there's like a frayed wire or something that's got, it's, it's shorting or there's some kind of loose wire basically somewhere. And you need to, we, we could now dedicate hours to trying to find out where this, where this error is and where this frayed wire is. But you know, we, I can't guarantee you how much time and labor that's gonna take. So I was like, oh, for goodness sake. So I just said, fine, I'll come and pick it up anyway and I'll get someone else to investigate it at some other point because I'm not driving to Dorset again. No. In the meantime- Don't blame you. As I, after I said that, he was like, fine, that's cool. Come back on Saturday because I dropped off in the mid middle of the week. Come back on Saturday, so yesterday to come and pick it up. And then, yes, on Friday, I get a call from him. He goes, we fixed it. We found it, we sorted it. He said that the guy who'd been working on the car had then left the car after I said, it's fine, I'll sort it another time. And then couldn't sit with it. Really? He just, he couldn't stop himself. He was like, I have to work out what this thing is. <laughs> so apparently he just followed the wiring loom oh, all the way around the car, trying to work out where it was. Luckily, within an hour, so it's only an extra hour's oh, labor, okay. he found this wire, which this frayed wire, which was coming into the UPC box. And right. he said, basically, when someone had fitted the induction kit, previous owner had fitted an yeah. induction kit on it, yeah. they'd clearly damaged it. The error had potentially been there before and gone away, but I'd, I hadn't had this error for the entire two years that I've owned this car. No. Um, but he said, yeah, basically, you just patch the wire up, error's gone car's good as gold amazing. everything's fixed everything's sorted it's never been in a in condition like this now amazing i'm finally in a good place with the car it only took me like a couple of grand's worth of repairs in the last however many months to get it to yeah. that point yeah that's well that's great news so uh, did you did you um enjoy the drive home i did it? did it did it sort of spark what you did it spark that excitement it that, did. You, that you had when you first bought it? This is the problem with these sorts of cars, and this is an eternal issue I've got, and I'm sure you feel the same. Absolutely. Which is, when you buy a stupid car, um, things go wrong with it, because yeah. you know it's like highly stressed engines yeah, and yeah. components in these performance cars means that things are more likely to go wrong, especially if they've not been looked after, which this thing has definitely, before I got it, not been looked after. <laughs> Um, because I'm an idiot and bought a car with dubious service history, as I previously said. And uh, because it's, it's got all the it, it, issues come up, you fall out of love with the car because yeah. the issues come up. You think, oh, I'm going to sell it, got to yeah. get rid of it. Can't believe that I have to deal with this. And, uh, you know, my, Lara's getting annoyed with me. She hates the car. She's like, I can't believe you're spending all of your savings trying to fix this <laughs> bloody thing. And I'm like, you know what, I, I agree. I did have the excuse that it was great fun. But with lockdown, I can't even drive it anywhere or, or have any particular fun in it. So what's the point? As soon as it was fixed and I was driving home, I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is why I love this yes. car. Because there's a little country road as you come out of the garage in Dorset and it was just, it's just lovely. I don't know if it's because the suspension arm play is now gone. Yeah, well, it must it, feel like a new machine. It just felt so responsive and quick. And obviously it makes a great noise and it's yeah. just, yeah. It is a I'm, fantastic car. I am back in love with it again. Unfortunately, I have committed myself to selling it now. No. Yeah. Just um, keep it. 
Just keep it. It's not going to cost you anything I, else now, is it? Believe me, mate, I now need the money. <laughs> after, I've I got to get something back out of it after yeah. having absolutely rinsed myself trying to fix it. Ludicrous. So, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the saga, the recent saga of the McGann. Fantastic. I will... You sort of end up hating yourself, don't you? If you, if you make a risky high-performance car... Uh, decision yeah. when you buy one and it goes wrong you sort of you blame yourself for, for something that's I really out of your control I mean who else do you have to blame to be fair it's like it's like always the a risk the car manufacturer the car make a better car Renault or well for me it'd you be could the, have made it a bit easier for you the previous owners I think would have been previous owners and Renault Renault complicated things by making it very difficult to work out what alternator was needed. Yeah. Although an alternator was not needed, apparently. Pointless money spent. Oh dear. Although I can now sell it and be like, hey, by the way, yeah, fresh this, fresh brand that. new yeah. Valio Renault yeah. alternator ready for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a saga, but yeah, it's sorted now. Well, that's good. And now I want to take on a track day. Yes, absolutely. I should. desperately want to before I sell it. Yeah, one last hurrah. One last hurrah. So yeah, that's it. That's it. That's my story for the week. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for that. That's all right. I hope that you enjoyed it. I did. I don't know if any listeners did, <laughs> but um, I that's definitely the... did. Yeah. I think over time we're gonna. I'm gonna try and get better with my understanding of cars and yeah. the understanding of the like deep mechanics. Yeah. Of exactly what's going wrong and how it's fixing. So, come along on that learning journey with us, <laughs> listeners. But yeah, uh, hopefully the Beamer doesn't have anywhere near the same issues. Well, if it does, it's going to be bloody expensive. Oh, God, thanks. Even more expensive. Yeah, I think you're completely right. It definitely will be. It's very squelchy down there. Let's oh, go up here. goodness. Well, even up here is... This oh, is actually James. Going... Let's go left here, actually. Let's go this way. Just because you're in wet. I'm not in wellies, mate. I don't... Well, whose fault's that? I... <laughs> it's I'm England. I'm in walking boots. It's the south of England in February. Uh, you wear wellies wherever you go, mate. I've got... Uh, they're nice walking boots, though, mate. But, they don't yeah. look nice at the moment. All right, let's move on. Next segment then. Let's move on. Yeah, so I think we've got two more segments I think we're going to chat about. I've got a bit of a Wikipedia hole that I've been on you recently. Do. You do. And uh, James has got a new segment. I think each week what we're thinking is we'll do a new segment and a Wikipedia hole. Yeah. We'll take it in turns. So next week I'm going to run the new segment. Yes. And then James is going to go down a Wikipedia hole. Yeah. So and find out just some really interesting tiny facts about something peculiar. Something peculiar. About cars. Exactly. Which might or might not be interesting. Yeah. You'll have to let us know. Yeah. So. The news. The news. Tell me something, James. I'll tell you something. <laughs> um, I don't know which one to choose. I think I might just briefly go over both. Okay. Um, I have two. One. Okay, fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. Transport for London issued £130 million of fines over 12 months to drivers not paying the congestion charge. Yeah. Over twice the revenue raised from drivers paying the daily fee. <laughs> nice. Which is awesome, isn't it? So people just, basically more people are getting fined for not doing the congestion charge than paying the congestion charge yes. to begin with. So it lasts, it's seven days a week. They've gone through some recent changes. So to drive your car through the centre of London, yeah. you will get charged. £15 um, 
between the hours of 7am and 10pm, seven days a week. So pretty much any time you drive through the centre of London, the congestion charge applies now. Yeah. And How much a day? It's 15 quid. 15 quid a day. 15 quid a day. What if you live there? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, then you, uh, you get an electric scooter, which is also illegal. Illegal? <laughs> yeah, you can't. No, it was. Yeah, you can't get an electric scooter because they're illegal. Um, for now, but they're hopefully be changed <laughs> soon. <laughs> well, like like the one that you own, like yeah, that like little... the one I own. Yeah, that's illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. You can only technically use it on private land. Really? Yeah, with the owner's permission. With are <laughs> oh, the owner of the land? The permission. owner of the yeah, not the, <laughs> the owner of the scooter's permission. <laughs> I give you permission to use my illegal scooter. Well, that's um, a, that's another thing. I had no idea. So, How are they on sale if they're, if they're illegal? Well, I, I don't really because, get it. Because you can just... Um, I, I don't know. I don't really want to go into it, to be honest. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I don't want to criminalise myself. <laughs> you don't own one. You only use one. it. I'm thinking about owning one in the future. Excellent. Um, yeah. You but definitely yeah, it's, don't it's, work. Uh, back to this TFL thing. Sure. The, the fine is £160 if you don't... <sighs> if you don't pay the 15 quid congestion charge. Well, that... Um, reduced yeah. to 80 pounds if paid within 14 days. Yeah. Um, so I've done the maths. And... Oh, James did some maths. I did some maths. It's Math. amazing, isn't it? So, there were 817,000 fines issued oh. in the 12-month period. Yeah. Times that by 160 pounds, and you get 130,720,000 pounds. Now... If I got fined, I would definitely pay within eight, within 14 days Yeah. to reduce it to 80. So if everyone did that, if every single fine did that, it'd be £65,360,000. Yeah. And the total revenue paid by law-abiding citizens was £52 million. Well, they're not law-abiding if they've... Oh, no. We w- that was stupid. We've walked either side of a tree. <laughs> James has lost his mic. Take it, it back, James. Give it to me. Give it to me. Sorry about that, everyone. Well, that's going to be hard, nice in my ear when I have to edit that later on. Resume. I think Res- that was in the right place. Yeah. Do you want Carry to check on. it's still recording? It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have stopped. No, it wouldn't have stopped it, I don't think. Let me check. Are you still recording? Yes, you are. So, yeah, law-abiding citizens paid £52 million over the same period... Um, just paying the... Oh, paying I see what the, you mean, by law-abiding. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, what's that, 13, 13 and a half million pounds extra. That is um, completely ridiculous. Which is crazy. I don't think I've... I don't think I've paid a congestion charge. I genuinely think if I ever go into London, I take, take the train. I don't think I've ever driven into the congestion jar zone and i used to live in london i used to live in, you did, in, yeah. um, shepherd's, in bush. shepherd's bush but that's clearly not in the congestion charge zone yeah so i just well, thought that was a, a quite an interesting that um, is quite an interesting fact there. interesting bit of maths um, for but you. the main the main news topic is they um is that ford are axing the mondeo are they which is sad news that's which is very actually sad quite news. big news i didn't know that's been that's been um, I say axing, they're evolving it. Right. They're going to change the name to Mondeo Evos, or Evos, however you... Uh, so it's Mondeo is still in the name? Mondeo is still in the name. So they're not axing the Mondeo. They're not axing. Well, technically they are because they're changing it into an SUV. 
Oh, like everything. Like every other car company. Why in is the that world. a? Why does everything need to be a, a mini SUV, a crossover? I do. So, <sighs> it's going to be a crossover SUV type thing. Yeah. Um, to go alongside their broad range of crossover SUVs, like the Fiesta For Active and the uh, the Focus Active, the Ford Puma, and the Puma. Yeah. There was a lot of controversy over them bringing the Puma name back yeah. to something that looks like it does. And then the so Mustang as well, the, the new Mustang, Mustang Mach-E Mach -E is also is, a crossover. Is one of those things. So the Mondeo is going down the same path. But um, what, why don't people just sad. buy estates? Just buy an estate. Like, why are you buying I, this well, I don't know. oversized, heavier, less aerodynamic, less capable in terms of road handling yes. vehicle. Why? Quite. Stop Quite. doing it. Um, <sighs> so it's, it's a shame. I mean, the figures don't lie. Um, uh, the most Mondeos they've ever sold was 86,000 yeah. in the year 2001, which was a Mark III, which was, I think, a very nice looking car. And it was the model they made, the ST220, uh, with the 3-litre V6 up front. Which is a cool looking car. sounded really nice. I, I nearly, I did have a look at those as an, you know, so in my current, in my, during my various dips in my ownership of the Megane, I looked at the ST220s and they did not get particularly great reliability ratings. No, was, no I can't imagine they did. No, I don't think that was... Uh, and you, you, see a, you see a few of them around, and I do enjoy seeing them. They're very good-looking cars. Mm. But I always think I'm impressed that's even driving. Yeah, and I honestly don't understand why people aren't buying the latest Mondeo, because it is absolutely full of equipment. Yeah. The amount you can get on that car for the price compared to rivals is still... Amazing. And I think it's and better looking than a lot of its right, right, exactly. rivals as well. And that's always been Ford's way. You know, they take the BMWs and the, uh, the Mercedes C-Class 3 Series and they give you that equipment for a lot less money. Yeah. And although the prices of these things have risen, the fully specced Mondeo is uh, around £33,000, which is a lot of money. Well, that's bottom end for 3 but Series range, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Brand new 4 Series a brand new three series is going to cost you that and you're going to get half as much equipment yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, last year, 2020, 2,400 Mondeos were sold in the UK. No way. 86,000 were sold in 2001. That's ridiculous. So... To be fair, I haven't seen that many. I, I, yeah, you can, you can feel it, definitely. Yeah. You still see a, a hell of a lot of Fiestas and... Fiesta is still one of the most popular cars. Focuses as well. In the UK, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be turned into an SUV. It will follow the Puma and Cougar. And uh, they're going to start with hybrid and plug-in hybrids, moving in the future to fully electric Yeah. Um, to follow the Mark E. Yeah. Um, but I just don't understand why they're doing it, because they've got a Mustang Mark E. Why yeah. make a Mondeo, which is going to be pretty much the same size? It doesn't have Mustang in the name. Yeah. So why would you choose that? So they basically just don't, they just don't make a saloon that's available for purchase in the UK anymore. Or a state. Other than the Focus. That's right, yeah. Um, that is strange times. So yeah, very strange. And um, yeah, it's uh, um, a Mustang Marquee, just to put it into perspective, at the moment, is a fully specced 
Mustang Mark E is £57,000. It's less than I thought, actually, to be fair. A Cougar is £41,000. Oh, you're kidding. And the most expensive configuration of a Mondeo is £33,000, and you can get it in an estate. It's a no-brainer. To me, there's no, com there's no contest there. Yeah. I would just get the most expensive Mondeo estate. If Saying you want that, though, yeah. it's there. You've got the same number of seats as an SUV. Okay, you lose a bit of that, that height that you get inside an SUV, but you gain fuel efficiency. You yeah. gain the ability to drive it around town. You gain the ability to park it easily. <laughs> you know, all these things that are terrible about SUVs. Yeah. You lose if you buy a, an estate car, especially yeah. a nice, very well-equipped, inexpensive estate car like a Ford Mondeo. I really, they're axing it. I really enjoy an estate car. I have to say, I can't, I can't get my head around buying an SUV over an estate. I can't get my head around it at all. No. Well. So there you go. That's my. Uh, that's the Mondeo news. That is for this week. I found that sort of. It's a bit shocking. Yeah, I, I had to, you know, mention it because, I've, you know, the Mondeo was as old as me. It, it was. It arrived in 1992, and on my birthday, I discovered this news. So, <laughs> I had to. I had to make a point. Oh wow! Didn't realise that the dates lined up so yeah, perfectly there yeah. as well. It is sad. <laughs> it is sad. Let us know if you agree. Do you care that the Mondeo is being axed? Um, or do you like SUVs? Let us know what you think. Yeah, definitely. Um, we well, have an Instagram now, so you can let us know what you think. Goodness, go on. Um, plug our social media, James. Yay, I did it this weekend. It's called Zero Traction Podcast. At Insta. No, no. Is that, at, I don't know how it works. At Zero Traction Podcast. So you'd put the at at the beginning. Yeah. You just type, basically. There's a little magnifying glass on your yeah. Instagram. Okay. Hit that. And then type in Zero Traction Podcast. And then we and come you'll, up. You'll, you'll find us. Yay. It's amazing, isn't it? That's great. We currently have yeah. no followers. Yes. Come on. We currently have one post and Which it's was. our terrible logo. That's so good. <laughs> it, um, I, the logo, it really does look like one of those sort of hipster bars or like... Like a barber's. Like well. a barber's, yeah. definitely. I can see it hanging, come swinging in. outside a barber shop. Yeah, with pictures um, of people with well-groomed beards and so slicked yeah. back hair. Yeah. I will post the, uh, the selfie of us yeah. um, at the beginning of this episode. That uh, sounds like Instagram. a plan. So it will be two um, very attractive, very handsome oh, man. Uh, gentlemen greeting you as you search for Zero Traction Podcast. Oh, great. So Love we it. look forward to seeing that followers number increase yeah. over the coming years. <laughs> but yeah, so ends the, uh, that's the, that's the, the news. news segment. Thanks very week. much for the news segment. I will uh, endeavour to come up with something equally interesting next week, James. Good. Um, but for now... So I feel like I've set the bar high. You have, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a good, well-researched topic. Thank Opinion you. piece on the... Thank you on the new Mondeo. But now we move into another fun, hopefully fun segment. We're going to experiment with a few segments and I think actually well, if people could let us know which segments they enjoyed or didn't enjoy or found boring or interesting or whatever, <laughs> let us know so that we can axe them or include more of them or whatever. But one of the segments we thought we'd do is the Wikipedia whole segment. Oh, I'd love to do a little jingle for that. Do you want to do, no, do no, 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 no jingles? No. You don't want to have... Listeners, Cameron will try and shoehorn his musical talent. <laughs> shoehorn little jingles in. You need to just shut him down straight away. We do not need jingles oh. for every new... But Adam Buxton does it. He does it in every... He's got like those little 
theme tunes that that's he has in between. Him. Good for him. We'll be different. We'll be. We're not going to we'll be that. We'll be different. All right. That's so probably fair enough. Okay. Go for it. What I is won't. a Wikipedia rabbit hole? Because I'm not sure. I actually know. Surely you, the concept of going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, you just click on, you search something. And then you click on the link to that thing in Wikipedia and you go, oh, that's interesting. And then there's lots of blue links within the Wikipedia article, which take you deeper into this, into this rabbit hole until you're so far away from your original topic <laughs> that you had no idea what happened. Yeah, I, yeah I, I can say I've done that a couple of times. So what I've done is I do that all the time anyway. Commonly, it's about dinosaurs and spiders, and I don't really <laughs> know why, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, and but also it's often about cars and racing series as well because those are obviously things I'm a, a bit interested in. Clearly, for me, the world is all about cars, spiders, and dinosaurs, um, as it should That's be. That's a great three subjects. Really, they are, I would fantastic. study those at school if you could have done. Oh yes, here's a class in spiders. <laughs> it's so no, yeah. Basically, I thought what I'd do is I'd just talk about one of those holes that I've gone down. Go for it. So the most recent one started off with aerodynamics, just yeah. general race car aerodynamics. I studied automotive engineering, as I mentioned last year, um, last year, last episode. <laughs> and so did a bit on aerodynamics, still find it quite fun to look, at, to look up a little bit about some of the older, more extravagant ways that when aerodynamics were first being introduced to race series, what people did, what inventive ways they came up with to skirt around the rules and come up with new ways to make the car stick to the road a bit better. But one of those features that was used quite frequently is um, its ground effect, basically, is what oh, it's called. Oh, I love ground effect. Ground effect. For those who don't know, I'd imagine a lot of people do. Those who don't know, it's basically where you try to speed up the air under the car as much as you possibly can. Because in, when you speed up the air, it actually has a lower pressure, which means that the pressure over the top of the car is greater than it is under the car, and that sucks it to the ground. It squashes it down to the ground. So you can do that in various different ways by doing like what they call Ventruli tunnels, mm. where you basically tunnel the air and then you squeeze the tunnel and then you expand it out at the back end. And that causes the air to move quickly under the car, sucking it down. It's a, it's a very, very cool feature. There's, there's famous F1 cars that used it, like the Lotus 79, had skirts that would actually rub along the ground. There's, um, I'm not gonna go too much on that one because they uh, covered that in quite a lot of detail on the, there was a Top Gear episode where they did something quite a lot on yes. that. Um, really, really cool feature that's been around. But in order to try and amplify this effect, there were a couple of cars that did this in the late 60s, early 70s. And if you go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole on ground effect, you cannot but help but come across Chaparral. Oh, yes. So Chaparral is an American uh, race car manufacturer from the 60s and the 70s. I mean, I guess they're technically still around. They've got like a GT Vision concept in the latest Gran Turismo as well. But um, they were famous for trying out everything they could. They had enormous wings. They had wings all over, the, all over their cars. And, and the one car that you come across is their ground effect car, the Chaparral 2J. Now, if you ever played Gran Turismo 4, you'll have definitely come across this thing. It's that wedge with what looks like two jet engines on the back, basically. Amazing. What they are are fans, fans powered by an entirely separate motor. This car's got a Chevy V8 and 
at the same time, it's got a snowmobile motor. And the snowmobile motor is there simply to power the fans. And the fans are then sucking the air out from underneath the car, thereby massively speeding it up and sucking it down to the ground. Amazing. So this car was unbelievable. Also incredibly unreliable <laughs> because they had twice the engines to sort out. Yeah. Like basically twice the amount of moving parts. I mean, if there's one thing you can learn from anything really is the more that moves within a, an object, the more there is to go wrong. Yeah. So when you add in a bunch of fans and an entire extra engine, there's obviously a lot reliability wise that can really go wrong with the car, as it did for sure. And having gone down that hole, I was like, where did this thing actually race? So obviously I know it from Gran Turismo specifically, but what did it race in? Well, it raced in in one of the most famous at the time, I think, and still talked about race series, which is Can-Am, Canadian-American GT Sports Championship. I've forgotten what it was called, but basically taken down to just Can-Am. So if you talk to people about Can-Am, they usually have some idea what this is. It was basically um, a FIA group called Group 7, which was started in the late 60s and had no rules. There must have been some rules. No. Otherwise you could just throw a spanner out and it would destroy the other competitor's fan. I th <laughs> you could just, well, yeah. like, like... A bit like Star Wars. Star Star I was just thinking the same thing, <laughs> like in Star Wars. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good Lord, that was a geeky reference. Yeah. So basically they had to have two seats. That was the only thing really. Had to have two seats. It had to have um, a front braking system on the front and the rear. Um, but there was no restrictions on size, on wheelbase, what? on engine capacity, on power, on aerodynamics, zero restrictions on those things. The rule, the actual PDF that you can still look at for the rules is just a one page. <laughs> and it's just basically have at it. And they did that for an entire decade, this Amazing. series ran, which is obviously not that long in terms of, you know, F1's been running since well before that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, group, group seven was just uh, do what you want. Yeah. And the most famous iteration of this, because one, one, when the FIA defines a, uh, a racing group, like group five, six, and seven, or whatever they were in the 60s and 70s, um, different race series around the world basically adhere to those rules. So Can-Am was the Canadian-American series where they adhered to those rules. And in, in Europe, there was, um, there was a, a race series called the Nordic something, which only lasted a year, I forgot the name of that. And then the Interserie, which apparently still goes on today. Oh, okay. But the Interserie was the European version of that. But none of them had anything on the Can-Am series. And all the big manufacturers put all their money into Can-Am. So that's where the Group 7 was really a bit, the, at its biggest. Um, you'd know Group 6 from basically being the predecessor to Group C and Le Mans. So all the endurance racing at the time, those were all Group 6 cars. Group 7 was on top of this. Oh my <laughs> So, yeah, basically much shorter races because the cars just couldn't last. No. And at their absolute peak, you'd, you'd have um, McLaren dominated for years. You had Nissan in there. Toyota came in with the Toyota 7, which is another Gran Turismo car. Um, you had Chaparral in there trying to do crazy things with aerodynamics. Um, and then you had the, probably the most famous car to come out of that group is the Porsche 917. Obviously very famous. It had, Porsche at the time made the 917 
it was in group five, it was in group six, and it was in group seven in various different iterations. Right. But the most extreme example is that deep purpley blue one with the yellow stripes and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the no roof. So the open topped version. Yeah. Um, that was the Can-Am car. And in quali spec, it had 1500 brake horsepower from a supercharged flat 12. Amazing. A supercharged yeah. flat 12 with 1500 brake horsepower on 70s suspension, yeah. 70s aerodynamics, 70s tires, 70s everything with 1500 brake horsepower. I think to this day, it is still the highest horsepower race car ever produced that's ever actually raced. That's amazing. Unbelievable. That's Apparently amazing. it could, it could hit, they, they took it around, not Daytona, one of the, one of the big oval circuits in the US of which yeah. there are many. Uh, and it, it maxed out at 240 miles an hour. Yeah. Just an absolute beast. And um, so, yeah, apparently the racing wasn't, was interesting from the perspective that the technology was ludicrous and the cars were ridiculous. But you'd end up having like one manufacturer absolutely dominating a race because they found some ludicrous... Yeah. I say a loophole, but they, you could just <laughs> no do what you wanted. With, yeah. um, oh, absolutely ridiculous race series. I highly recommend that people go and have a look for themselves. Go on YouTube, look these cars up because I, you cannot fathom what that thing must have been like to drive at the yeah. time. So yeah, that was, that was my little Wikipedia hole that I went down, sort of ground effect and then into, into group seven. I did go even further, but I don't want to go too much detail because <laughs> you can then look at group C. There was also group seven eventually died. Um, it got a bit ridiculous. They weren't getting the same uh, level imagine, of support for it. I would imagine safety probably came into it at, at one point. Oddly, it wasn't mentioned too much, no? the safety side of things. Were there any fatalities? Uh, that I didn't find out. There probably were, but there wasn't anything like obviously mentioned. No. Not like Group B, which everyone obviously knows yeah. was their rally version of no rules. Yeah. But no, Group uh, Group 7 eventually ended in the late 70s. It took a year break and then they brought it back again. Um, this is actually, no, this is interesting. I am going to go further, James. <laughs> go for it. Um, so they, when they brought it back, the FIA outlined rules for Group 7, which included Formula 1, Formula 2 and Formula 3 they then got encompassed into this, this new group that they'd made. But what Can-Am did was they took those rules and said, uh, but we still want it to be closed wheel racing. So use the Group 7 open wheel formula racing, but just make them closed. So you end up with these cars, which are F1 cars from, yeah. the, from, the, late, from the late 70s and then into the 80s. This ran into the 80s. Um, but with closed wheels, with those, yeah. with like lights over them and everything. So it was yeah. like an F1 car and they looked unbelievable. Oh, I can imagine. You could look them up. They look ridiculous. I will, I will do that. Uh, they look more like Formula E. Yeah. But with enormous intakes above the rear person and huge wings at the back. Amazing. And then like ridiculous amounts of forward rake. So the car was oh, just hunkered yes. lower down. I had no idea this existed. No. So that was that's what came of uh, Group Seven eventually, and Can-Am specifically. So was that a different group then, or was it the same group? What do you mean? Was it a different? Was it group? a different? They did they class those um, closed wheel, open wheel race cars as a different group, or was it still Group Seven? Uh, yeah, no, that was they were they basically took the Group Seven rules and then did something, changed them a little bit for Can-Am specifically. Oh, okay. And the Intercire series was uh, that were just let basically, and it's almost like anything goes. They just 
had cars from Group 6, they had cars from Group 7, they had these ridiculous open wheel, not really open wheel, but sort of closed wheeled <laughs> cars from the US. Man, it was a crazy time for driving, crazy time for racing. So yeah, there you go. That's the little lesson for the week, the little Wikipedia hole I went down. That's awesome. I, hope I can't that was wait enjoyable. to do my own version. Yeah, see what you can come up with. It could be anything, James. I lay the gauntlet down. Okay, that's, that's going to be difficult to follow. <laughs> but I will do my best. Absolutely. Or I won't do it at all and I'll just have to make something up. <laughs> that's probably more likely. Just make, make something I'll up I'll see if something, if something triggers my interest over the coming week, I might do a Wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole thing. Yeah, um, excellent. I did um, one on the royal family once. Um, you just watch The Crown, mate. So I won't just, go into that. Just watch The Crown. That's famous for being not very accurate. Nah, nah. I, I heard the Queen liked the first two series, so I'm taking that as gospel. I don't want to talk about the Queen. <laughs> we, we could talk about what we want, James. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about the Queen or the royal family or any Fair of that enough. utter nonsense. Okay. Right. Well, I think I'm, I think I'm, all, I'm all done. I'm all yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's a great episode, I think. That's a good yeah. one. I hope um, you enjoyed that. Yeah, let us know. And again, it's at Zero Traction Podcast um, on Instagram. That's the only one we've got at the moment. There's no Facebook, no Twitter. It's just Instagram. So you yeah. can look at our lovely faces yeah. and tell us how good a job we're doing. Great job. Um, again, sorry for any of wind noise or any sloshy, nasty footsteps that you can hear in the background. Nasty footsteps. Nasty footsteps. Bad footsteps. Um, we are still in lockdown here in the UK. We can only see each other outside. So until those rules are lifted, this will be the environment. Yes. But hopefully not for long. No. Um, Well, we can uh, end things there next week. We'll have a similar segment run on uh, Wikipedia and on the news and about our cars as well, I think, next week as well. Yeah, there should be, there should be a Peugeot 106 deep dive oh there you go we managed to get through most of the episode without saying deep dive this time well there you go i've just given you some hope for next week a deep (laughs) dive on the on my specific peugeot 106 absolutely enjoy have a good week everyone yeah you too chat to you soon bye